been a while, but it's no driving gloves tonight. Uh, let's go ahead and apologize if anybody's uh, follows us or listens to us via our YouTube channel. Um, I'm in the process of helping market a car. Unfortunately, the auction ends on the 8th and we're recording on the 7th, so you won't hear this until after the auction ends. But I posted a lot of videos to that YouTube channel to carry on to bring a trailer, and hopefully the auction goes well. If you're wondering what it was, watch some of those videos and go ahead and do the history search and bring a trailer. I'll just say ours doesn't have the orange wheels. Other than that, we've got Derek tonight. Will's on his way to, I'm going to say Derek's hood, go to Bowling Green for the whatever car show's happening probably across the street from Derek, but Will was... High five nationals. Yeah, say, yeah, Will was nice enough to tell us about that at, oh, you know, six o'clock tonight, and we record at eight, so... Derek and I kind of scramble and figuring out what to do tonight. I think Derek was out. Um, I don't know. Do you want to tell people what you were out doing a little bit earlier and why we're now recording at 930 at night? But <laughs> Or is that a secret until you make a decision? Dun, dun, dun. I was, I was looking at a new acquisition for my private collection. Let's stick with that for now. Yes. And Derek is looking at getting a launch edition jeep yeah there you go yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. no it's still under the bow tie brand it's under the bow tie brand well won't jeep be under the bow tie brand when general motors and yeah. fiat merge i saw some of that in the news recently that you know i guess you know marconi passed away a little over a year ago and everybody's saying he was right and fiat's got him merge with somebody now and I just thought all of them were going to merge together and we were just going to have one automobile company. Yes, Tesla will rule the world. There you go, boom. Trying to be nice to good old Lee, uh, Elon. I'm sorry, I just read Lee Iacocca's name again. And, wow. And wow. So, wow. Well, I, I think even Musk probably would appreciate being compared to Lee Iacocca. Well, actually, probably. I can see that. Or, I mean, or yeah. Lee Iacocca being compared to Musk. That's probably the more accurate statement there. I don't know if he's wa watching us or paying attention to us on Twitter. You know, anytime you want to come on the show, oh. Elon, we'll, we'll be glad to have you and we'll let you talk about whatever you want. Come on, you know he's a regular listener. I'm sure he is. I don't think, you know, I've kind of... I've been playing with my uh, let's get a new car thing, so that's kind of where my hobby's been. I'm not sure what I want, what direction, but it's been more than a year since I've bought a car. It was a year ago I bought my van. 18 months ago I bought my SHO. Uh, so it might be time to get something else. I've even thought about getting an SHO that's a couple years older because I've got a 17 and a 17 and newer you couldn't modify the ECU. But if I go back to like a 15, I can make that about a 600, 700 horsepower car really quick and really reliable. But I don't know what I want to do. I might end up keeping the two I have. But there's my car activity, that, the uh, consulting job that I previously mentioned, uh, the car that we have for it listed. Hey, that, that car I'm thinking about getting, I might be able to get like 45 mile per hour out of it. <laughs> Downhill with the tailwind. Um, and ice, yeah. That way it just slips. No friction. I was going to say, you know, in dealing with the, the car that we have on uh, Bring a Trailer right now, and wandering around that guy's 
um, garage. He's got a you know a wonderful garage. It's climate controlled, dust controlled. You know, it's kind of like an operating room type thing, but twenty cars in it. And he's a hunter, so there's a lot of trophies there, or whatever you want to call it. In addition to that, there's a lot of um, you know collectibles and things, and it kind of got me thinking about. You know, some of the stuff, we always talk about collector cars and things like that. But the problem with cars, they're expensive. They take up a lot of room. They take up a lot of time. And I'll be honest, I'm guilty when I go to Target, I want to walk through the Hot Wheel aisle and see if there's an interesting Hot Wheel. And I still buy Hot Wheels. It's probably been six or eight months since I bought my last Hot Wheel. And come to think of it, uh, Jonathan... I just remembered I still owe you money for a Hot Wheel you sent me a couple of years ago. Maybe I'll try to get in touch with you and get an address. Yeah, I think you even uh, lived in Alabama at the time I bought that off of you, and now you're in northern Indiana. Derek, do you think you have a couple of things like kicking around or, you know, when, when you're not buying cars and, you know, buy, or buying motors for your Falcon and... New, new rides for you and the wife and things like that. Do you dabble in any of the, uh, you know, collectible stuff? And, you know, I don't, I'm trying to think like small collectibles. I'm not talking about if we collect gas pumps and petroleum signs or whatever. But do you dabble in any of that stuff? Do you have any of that stuff sitting around your hall of antiques up there? Uh, yeah, actually I do. I, I, you're right. I don't collect any of, I guess, what people call like, I think it's, is it Petroleanas? Is that how it's pronounced? I think I, I collect, I kind of like to collect kind of just weird old automotive stuff. That's just, or, or maybe things that kind of relate to an earlier time period. I mean, I think everybody knows on here, we've probably mentioned it before that I'm a clock guy too. So I, I acquire old clocks and stuff, but, um, and some other old furniture stuff, but like sitting around in on just some of my bookshelves, things like that. I've got like an old uh, card game from the early twenties. That's based on like the only thing I, the best way I can explain it, it's, it's kind of like the new version of the card game they brought out of Oregon trail, the old computer game from when we were kids, like the late eighties, early nineties, but it's actually, it's from the 1920s and it's about like taking an automobile trip and you have all these cards that are like, Oh, you got a flat tire, you know, skip a turn or whatever. Um, so I, I have that. I found that at an antique store years ago. And, uh, and then I have like some old like roadmaps and atlases from the years of uh, some of my cars and, Eventually, we'll probably go in them when I'm on road trips or going out to shows just so you kind of have that period stuff along with your car. Um, and I have like old uh, old model kits. I'm a big fan of that, picking up like old the 50s, 60s era, like when, when model cars really started first coming out, picking up some of those. I have some that were my dad's when he was a kid, but then if I find them at like garage sales, places like antique stores – if they're a good buy, I'll, I'll pick them up. I think the, the older model kits are way cooler than what's out there today. I don't know why, just a personal preference, probably because they're all early cars 
because that's what was cool to have in the 60s when you were model carring was Duesenbergs and Packards and things like that. Um, so I've got a bunch of those that I, you know, have set up in different places. So, yeah, I collect kind of some of that oddball stuff. What about you? I don't even know where you really buy new new models, as you were talking about. I think it's a really lost lost thing. Maybe I can get them on Amazon and that. I know it's been a while since I walked through Michael's, but even they used to have an aisle. Then they had half an aisle. Then they had a little section. By now, they might not even have a... Uh, those old car model kit, those testers kits, the plastic kits. And I know they had begun to start doing them in die cast metal and you could, you know, put them together real easy. And there was none of the getting glue on your fingers and gluing your fingers together and spilling a bottle of paint all over the kitchen table and things that I used to do when I kind of played with models, like you said, when you were younger. And I still hang on to some of that stuff. Um, but I think, you know, I guess I collect some of the run-of-the-mill things. I, you know, I've got to, I'll be honest, now it's a box full of die casts because the, the bigger die casts, the 124th, 118th scale stuff. Because, you know, at one time it was cool and, and it was 30 bucks a pop. And now all of a sudden I've spent $10,000 on these things and going, boy, I really wish I had $10,000 to <laughs> buy a real car with. So I've become a little bit cheap when it comes to it, but I also enjoy a lot of the stuff I buy now and really through the years, but it's probably what I exclusively buy is, like you said, Derek, one-offs, odd things, things that I've never seen before. I mean, you go to any car show or swap meet, there's a guy that's got his die-cast booth. There's a guy, you know, um, and no offense to him. I don't even know what their business is called now, but there's, you know, the guy that sells every automotive book under the sun. That's where I bought all, a lot of my Lotus book collection. I almost have a better um, collection of Lotus books and information than the Barber Museum has. I actually have runs of magazines like Lotus and Sports Car Owner from 1957 to 1961 or 62. I have the complete set, and I don't even know if the Barber Museum has a single one of those. Um, I have Lotus News because, you know, for a majority of my life, I've been a Lotus fan. So I've got a lot of that stuff, and that's kind of unique, and uh, not a lot of people have that stuff. But, you know, as I'm walking through, and I enjoy going to antique malls or the swap meet buildings or whatever they want to call them. It's kind of a combination of both. You know, I'm guilty of having booths in those at times, and I recently reopened another one. And by wandering through, occasionally I'll see stuff, and I've got some really nice glass sets. You know, they're usually sets of four, and, you know, one is highlighting the Maxwell car and a Buick and, you know, brass era cars and i've got another one that's from like the 50s and it's got an mga on it and you know I i'm trying to think maybe an e-type and you know some late 50s early 60s british cars and but they're drinking glasses and both of those not only do i have the glass sets one of the big inspirations of spending the money on them, and it might have been 20 or 30 bucks for these sets. They actually had the original packaging and original boxes with them, and as I guess the American Pickers will tell you, it's always cool if it's in the original box, and I fall guilty to that, or 
you know, as Derek was telling us about his game, I bought one called Auto Week that's from 1986 or 87 at one point in time. The box is faded and it's got all these trivia questions about cars, you know, that were recent and now it's technically, you know, it's a 30-year-old game. So now, now the recent cars are now classic cars and It'll probably be a really cool thing to do at a Radwood is sit down and play Auto Week the game uh, and see how many of those 18, 25-year-old 80s car-loving people can actually answer some of these obscure questions about 80s cars. So I'm a lot like, you know... See, in that, in that John, right there, what you're saying, that's what I like about some of these obscure, older, uh, especially like the card game stuff like that because like i love getting that card game out I th- i've played it once to be honest with everybody I've, you know nobody ever wants to play the card game <laughs> i'm i'm the one oddball it's like hey uh, you guys want to play this uh, 1920s automobile card game everybody's like yeah um, don't you have cards against humanity no um we actually do have that game but anyway um i just I, I don't know. There's something to me about, and and like you just talked about like the glasses sets. Um, and it, it made me think there's one that I've been looking for trying to find a really nice, you know, almost perfect as as nice a set as I could that in, I think it was like the, the fifties, maybe the early fifties, mid fifties, uh, GM brought out a really beautiful, I guess I'll call it maybe art nouveau, um, uh, drink, you know, glasses, glass set. And uh, had a um, silvered ring with, you know, the different cars on it in, if I recall, in silver. Um, Really beautiful. But there's something, and maybe it's also because I'm a historian and and on the museum end of things. But I think there's just something cool about sitting down and actually experiencing the the game or, you know, these, the glasses that were made and, and actually using them. Um, you know, because it, it's kind of that tie to history too. I don't know. I, again, it's just me kind of being a weird historian probably, but, you know, and it's like you say, you know, sit down at Radwood and play a car game from the 1980s. You're, that's what Radwood is all about. You know, dressing the part, looking the part, bringing the car of the era. Now you're going to add that game of the era. And it's just all about that overall experience of reliving something, um, which I think is a cool part of these little, um, you know, kind of ancillary things that we can, we collect outside of just the big car itself. And, and it's just like with your, your cars, you have to enjoy this stuff. I'm guilty right now. I still have a lot of stuff in storage, you know, I moved into Zara's house and Zara has it perfectly decorated and set up the way she you know, had it for years and I'm slowly integrating into it. So a lot of my um, automotive decoration stuff is not on display, but I have a lot of, you know, just interesting things. I mean, for years, um, by choice, I kind of quit drinking in about 99, 2000. And what I would do on New Year's Eve is I would buy a Lego set and assemble Legos on New Year's Eve. It's something, you know, my ex-wife laughed about, and I did up until maybe about five or six years ago. 
but every year it was a different Lego set. So I have some of the cool Lego sets and you know, now they're collector's items. Unfortunately, I opened the box and put them together, but I enjoyed them. And that's where I'm kind of going is you've got to enjoy some of this, you know, automotive stuff and this collector stuff you have. Big deal. I, I can say I have the stuff. It's no different than saying, oh, you know, I, I do have that Ferrari GTO. It's it's at home in the garage. I, I never drive it because I don't want to put miles on it. Uh it's like, you know, it's it's the old, you know, the old saying or the, the old thought process is, you know, why have whatever so that you can save it for the next guy? Uh, you know, there's some adult ways that that's been compared. There's some very humorous ways that's been compared. But it's simply put, you've spent the money, you've had it. All you're doing by not using it is saving it for somebody else to use. Enjoy it. And it's the same with cars, same with the small stuff. So like Derek said, we need to get out and play these games. Uh, We need to play with the, or use the drinking sets or the glass sets, I guess. Um, When uh, I bought a book recently, and I was inspired to buy it because of the, you know, John, John, excuse me, John DeLorean movie that just came out on Netflix and the, uh, or I guess on digital media, you can get it on just about anything, Amazon, Netflix, etc. And then we've got a new one, another one coming out about John DeLorean. And there's a book by uh, Barry Weiss, or excuse me, I always call him Weiss, I don't know why, it's Barry Willis, supposedly a great book. Uh, Barry still sells them out of his own house. I believe the book self-published by Barry. Barry is actually a guy who was with John DeLorean from the initial concept sketches to beyond John DeLorean, John DeLorean's involvement with the motor company. Barry's the guy that turned the lights out. He was the last guy to walk out of the factory in Ireland. So this book's supposed to tell a lot of that real story about John DeLorean. And those are things that I, I'm really inspired to do. But I took the opportunity to buy this book, and it might have been 60 or $80 but Barry has less than a hundred of them left, and I've already seen them on Amazon, four hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars. People trying to, you know, sell these books new, unused. You know, I bought this book. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to crack it open. I do have uh, by uh, William Taylor puts out some really nice automotive coffee table books, and I have. I bought the last time he put the Lotus book out was Series Four. I bought the numbered edition, leather bound and everything else. And then I bought a, a copy to read because I just kind of want, wanted the leather bound set. And he was nice enough. And I don't know how he put it all together or if I, it was the luck of the draw. I even thanked him. He sent me book number seven in that hundred series. And of course, I enjoy the Lotus seven. That's even um, one of my favorite cars over a Viper or a CRF. I did get a book to preserve and I did get a book to read, but you've got to enjoy the stuff. I spent a little bit extra to get the book to read, but I've enjoyed the book. And that's one thing I didn't you know, mention in that first go around of uh, the kind of offshoot automobile things I collect. Uh, you know, you talk about books. Of course, I've got the library of, of your standard, you know, automotive history books both from courses I had in college on the history of technology, but, you know, I've got, uh, what is it, AJ, 
AJ is it AJ Bain uh, go like hell. Uh, you know, which is the book that uh, they bit loosely based the movie, the new movie coming out about Carol Shelby and, and all that on, you know, just kind of your general automotive history books. I have big library of those, but another thing I've gotten, I, I personally like to buy whenever I find them at antique stores or, you know, vintage bookstores, wherever I pop into on different journeys. Um, I try to collect, anything any book that's related to of course for me you know like john you know john's focused on a lot of lotus stuff for me it's it's early cars and and i like to collect the old uh repair manuals or you know repair books so uh, some of the big ones are like the dykes uh manual uh and then you had audell's um you know automotive manuals so i have copies of those Actually, I'm really excited because just yesterday, um, uh, another one's being sent. Just yesterday, uh, I've got another one coming in the mail that is, a, it's, I think it's Brooks. Uh, it's a Brooks is the author. It's an automotive, again, repair manual. Uh, and it comes from, you know, 1916 is when that book was copyrighted. So, uh, you know, I, I like to collect those because not only is it interesting to see them and read them, uh, but a lot of times they'll mention cars that I'm, I have, you know, in my collection or that I'm working on for someone or, you know, one of the museums I work with, or even just parts, uh, you know, when you're, when you're working on restoring a car, getting it running, you know, sometimes let's say you've got a Bosch Magneto on it. Well, you can go to some of these books and there's a whole section on working on a Bosch Magneto. So you you have the era appropriate guidance on how to work on that Magneto and make sure it's working properly. Uh, you know, and anti, I'm sitting here at my, my, my desk recording tonight and I'm looking at a stack of four books that I bought maybe six months ago. It's an old series of books and it's mostly on early automotive electrical wiring and, and electrical components and how to work on them, how to wire them, how to make sure they're working right. Uh, so I, I also get into collecting that stuff. So not only does it look good, <laughs> you know, sitting around the house as, you know, kind of a book on a shelf or a book on your desk. It's also a, a usable source when I'm working on one of these early cars and there might not be anything easy to reference. That's why I grab these things whenever I can find them because, you know, they're getting scarce right now. And in 10, 20 years when, again, I'm hopefully still going to be involved in this hobby and working on early cars, which there's less and less people seeming to want to do that. These books are, you know, only going to get more and more rare to find and have to be able to re uh, use as a resource to actually work on the stuff. So that's another uh, big area that I start kind of going out and buying stuff up whenever I can. Derek's actually using and enjoying and, you know, he has a practical application. Mine's kind of the collector. I want to read. I want to see what was going on. I do enjoy, you know, like he said, the old Dykes manuals. I've got a couple kicking around here and no, I'm never going to have a 1927 car in my collection. That's you know, the reality of the thing. doesn't matter how much money I have. I promise I will never have a 1927 anything. It's fun to see the technology and to go back. Um, when I was restoring a 
16 Packard that I had, you know, part of my job is to obtain literature to be period correct and to have the, the labor rates and the price sheets. And, oh, it would be so nice if I could just go ahead and order a new Magneto right here for a dollar fifty, <laughs> And, you know, to even see what the, the labor times, the flat rate times were when it started to get developed, how it started to get developed. Derek's talking about kind of the stuff he collects. And I talked a lot about the Lotus stuff that I collect. Allow a little bit of your budget. I always look at cars and... I was talking to somebody about this this week, and it's a conversation that comes up quite often, and some people have realized it and have this conversation, and some people don't, and, you know, gosh, I'm spending too much money. But cars are your hobby. Cars are fun. If you fished, or if you were a fisherman, you would have a boat. You would have gear. You would buy tackle and lure. You would, you know, every time you go to Bass Pro, you might spend 20 bucks or 30 bucks on a lure. I assume that's what they cost. For us, we walk through the antique mall and we spend 20 or 30 bucks on something cool automotive-ish. We walk through Target and spend $5 on Hot Wheel cars. We go to a swap meet or an automotive thing. And, you know, sometimes I'll buy a sign or I'll buy a cool part just because it's cool and it's interesting and it'll be neat to display. So you can't, to me, you can't be guilty or feel guilty about spending the money because all hobbies cost money. I compared fisher, you know, fishermen there. If you're a hunter, you've got your four-wheeler, you've got your rifle, you got your gear, you've got your bullets, and, if, you know, if you're as good of a shot as me, it's going to take you six or seven bullets at a buck a bullet to, you know, kill something. Obviously, I'm not a good shot. You just have to look at your car as a hobby and the, the car stuff as a hobby and go out and buy what you enjoy. I'm not saying go broke, don't spend 50 bucks a week if you, you know, unfortunately only make $300 a week. Just kind of figure out a little bit of a budget and allow yourself, you know, if you're only making $1,500 a month, give yourself 20 bucks to, you know, treat yourself for something for your hobby. And that's the neat thing about the the little things is then when people come over or kids come over to your home or as you get older, if you're a kid, you know, if you're a child and you're using your allowance to do this, I, I can't tell you the number of cars and stuff I have from my youth. I've got an you know, old Daisy Duke Jeep. I've got this old plastic van, and everybody knows how crazy I am with vans and the model kits that Derek talked about. I've got a little snap together. It's a green van, but it's from the 70s. So this van kit is a strict 70s van. It's got the um, water transfer decals on it and then a 70s scheme. And it's like lime green with yellow trim and yellow wheels and little hood scoops, you know, on the roof. And it's something that harkens back to my youth and reminds me a lot of my younger car days. I talk about, and I'm not saying do this anybody, but I kind of attribute to when I became a car guy. I've always been in my life a car guy, you know, since the day I was born. But sometime in 1983, I went home from the school library with a car and driver magazine, and it never made it back to the library. Or here we are, what is it, 40 years later, 37 years later, and I still have that magazine, and it's framed here in my office. It's just a reminder of my youth and becoming a car person. What is, what is your current, what are your current late fees up to? 
Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, they let me graduate, so. But you know, John. <laughs> yeah. You know, that that's, you know, trying to kind of maybe turn that around a little bit to what you're talking about here. You know, it's also a great way for kids to just get into the car hobby before you can afford. Or even if you're, you know, if you don't make enough money in your current situation, whatever it is to afford the car, the actual car that you're hoping to have. I mean, a great way to work up to that or, or start, I guess, in some ways, satisfying that uh, interest you have is to, you know, buy what you can afford that maybe relates to the vehicle or the, that part of the hobby that you're interested in. You know, if you, you know, if you're weird like me and you're interested in the early stuff, brass era or, you know, horseless carriage or classic era or one of those, you know, let's call it pre-World War II era stuff. You start picking up some of the books that are, you know, written about early cars. I mean, you know, one of the first books I ever acquired was the standard catalog of American cars from 1805 to 1942. And it's literally just a basically encyclopedic catalog of all of the cars that were built in the U.S. from 1805 to 1942, Beverly Ray Kimes, Austin Clark Jr., uh, you know, put it together. And obviously there's probably some in there they missed because there were a lot of cars built. I couldn't afford, and I mean, I still really can't afford a horse carriage or a brass era car quite yet, uh, you know, working towards it. I read that book. I, I sat and read that book and just learned about these cars, um, learned about their histories, and it it just grow grows your knowledge. It it allows you to grow, you know, what you your knowledge about the cars. It allows you to learn about them. That way, when you do start working up towards you know owning one of those cars or something, you have that really good foundation and that base in what you've already done to help you along the way in the hobby. I mean, so it's, you know, it's another thing where we talk about this stuff and I say, you know, Oh yeah, now I grab a, a $20 set of books that I find because they're from the twenties and they talk about early automotive stuff. I've been doing that since before I was even owned an old car because it's what I, I, I was interested in. It was a passion and it was the way I could, kind of let's call it get the fix um in the hobby without having the car so i think it's also a good way to you know get yourself involved in the hobby and and promote the hobby it's one of those fun things and i had a direction i was going when i leaned towards the microphone here and in that little straight line i got lost um i do i know the book derek was referring to there the standard catalog of you know automobiles uh, i have that one i have i have all the um and I, maybe you know what they're called derek but they're all the they're black books and you know you can get a chevrolet ford chevelle corvette has all the breakdown of vin numbers in that i have every one that was ever published oh yeah and, and you know, the part of that's for my appraisal business is to verify serial numbers and know what options and, you know, make sure, you know, to decode cars. Um, I, you know, I have a lot of books on that that subject. And it's what's funny is I bought those 
back in 05 or 06. Now all that stuff's available on the internet. I have two shelves dedicated to these books about numbers, chassis numbers, VIN numbers, engine numbers. I've got I've got a book exclusively about engine numbers. And like I said, you can find all that stuff on the internet, but there's still something to me to be able to go look it up in a book and easily be able to copy the the page or be able to take the book with you to the appraisal. Uh, granted, I can have my iPad out and try to look it up and hope I have good internet signal and hope the sun's not glaring. The book never gives me that problem. So some of the stuff I have is from practicality standpoint. Some of it's from sheer enjoyment. You know, and I've got Clive Chapman joked with me once because I have um, a painting from Betty Hill, uh, autographed by Betty Hill, Graham Hill's uh, widow, and I have. Um, a, a Lotus book um, autographed, and unfortunately, I'm forgetting her name, but it was Jimmy Clark's ex-girlfriend. And I, you know, I have these three widows, and I was saying Clive joked that I probably am assembling the largest collection of autographs from racing widows. And it's not something I achieved to do, but it's something that, you know, the the painting was at the Indianapolis Grand Prix in, uh, I don't know, 04, 05. Uh, and my, me and my ex-wife saw it, and we buy art because it impacts us the moment we see it. It's not that we sit there and analyze it and, oh, look at the reflection off Monaco here and this building here. No, we like the impact, and it was signed by Betty Hill. And you just do it. You know, it's the... Uh, Risky business saying, sometimes you've got to say what the frack and take some chances. Just go for it. As long as you keep a little bit of financial soundness about you, but we're talking the car hobby. And if any of us were sane financial advisors, we wouldn't be in the car hobby. I think we've touched on the topic. I'll let that you go ahead. Me, I, should, <laughs> I, should probably pay my, I should probably pay my mortgage this month, shouldn't I? Hmm. Well, it's only the 7th. <laughs> Oh, all right. I'm good then. <laughs> I can't give you credit advice. No, I. I uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't check my credit score. No, I, I. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And you know, I mean, I guess I. I you know, I get. I start to wander outside of that automobile collecting as well as people know, as we talked about, but. Probably one of the the cooler things I've uh, acquired recently, I actually really love having. And even though the car is not done yet, I think everybody knows I have the 1923 V8 Peerless. That is is a barn find. We've had it up on our social media before the picture of it, the day I found it, or the day I went to pick it up and, and move it out of the barn. Probably, it must be almost a year ago now, uh, I was just kind of perusing through Facebook, you know, I belong to a number of the groups that are, are forming now, you know, the 1920s automobile group and the brass era and pre-war car group and the speedsters only or all these different groups that are out there. And hopefully some of those uh, people in those groups listen to us. Occasionally the, somebody on there will post some stuff they found on. It just randomly came up one day, a guy had posted in one of the you know classic era groups or something, this tire pressure gauge, but it was for a peerless, and it was 
the correct peerless logo for the early twenties. You know, I started kind of thinking about it. I was like, well, that's kind of cool because it matches the car. It's right. It's the right tire gauge for the car. And all of a sudden the next thing, you know, I'm placing a bid on eBay and buying this, you know, 19 early twenties peerless tire pressure gauge that right now it just sits, you know, on a, a table in the, in the living room in the house is kind of decoration, if you will. Uh, actually right next to that automobile card game I was telling everyone about. But, you know, one day when the, the Peerless is is back on the road, it'll live in the Peerless and just be another kind of component of the story of, of that car. And also, you know, my kind of crazy collecting sickness that I have. Sickness is the right word for it. <laughs> you talk about your eBay impulse buys and stuff and it's not automobile yet, it's automobiles, but that's how I ended up with my Caterham 7. We went and looked at an Elise one weekend. I probably should save this to the interesting car stories episode, but my ex-wife and I, we went and looked at a Elise one weekend just back in 05, 06 when they were basically brand new cars. It was one of the first used ones we had come across. And I drove it, and she knew we were going to buy it and go home with it. I got out of it, and I said, nah, if I'm going to get something like this, I'm going to buy a, a Caterham or a Lotus 7. Like the next Friday, Thursday or Friday it was, she sent me a, a link, and it might have been on eBay. I think it was, uh, to a Caterham. And he goes, but she said, hey, you, know, you wanted your trailer. You know, check this out. So I clicked it, and it was the Caterham with the trailer. So me and the the impulse person I was at the time, I'm no longer this way. Uh, I bought a plane ticket before I ever called her back. And uh, I said, my return uh, message to her was, I'm, I'm flying to Fort Lauderdale on Tuesday. <laughs> and hers is, what? I said, I'm going down to look at that car and trailer on Tuesday. And uh, went down on Tuesday, came back. By Friday, had bought it and to, to complicate things. I had to sell my lowered S10 four-cylinder pickup, and I bought a 05 Dodge Dakota leftover, so this would have been 06, so that I could actually tow the car back because the S10 wouldn't do it, and I couldn't find a way to ship a car in a trailer. This side of renting a U-Haul, and my impulse buy got me a pickup truck, got me a trailer, and got me a car. You do have to be careful of your impulse buys, because the same month I bought my Lotus Europa, and by the end of the month, I had a chance to buy a Lotus 110 bicycle, new in the crate out of Sweden. It was like $10,000, and I was out of money. I couldn't get my bicycle. Not that I would have ever rode it. There's the danger. That's how bad it can get, and it's not that I was rich. It's not that I am rich. That's why I keep giving you, be sure to stick to a budget. I've sometimes went crazy with my budget, and I think I even said to you know, my fiance Zara the uh, uh, yesterday or day before, I need to get rid of some of these cars, or I need to do something because a cocaine habit would be cheaper. I could be rich if I didn't have the car habit, but you know what? I've enjoyed it. Get your automobile, yeah. And that's there. You go there. That's that is a great no. That's a that's a great point you make because you know it's like you said right near the the beginning of the 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 podcast today, you know, you got to enjoy the stuff. And uh, I guess the question you have to ask yourself in, and this is in any hobby, any habit that you have, and, and we're not obviously, we're not condoning cocaine use, 
uh, or you know, alcoholism or anything like that. Speak but, for yourself. <laughs> but okay, you can you can not spend the money on a hobby. You can you know you can put it in the bank and save it. Ultimately, what are you going to do with that money? You know, it's up to all of us to figure out how we want to enjoy our lives. You know, we work hard for our money. What we're going to do with that money to to enjoy our life, and it's what you just said, John. You know, maybe I could be rich right now, and yeah, maybe I would have a lot more money in the bank right now if I didn't own some of the cars I did. But you know what i I enjoy working on them. I enjoy owning them. I enjoy knowing that uh, you know I've collected these cars, and you know if I really do need that money someday, well guess what? One of them's going up for sale somewhere and I'll get the money and I'll have the money. But like you say, for now, it's like spending 10 bucks on a automobile card game from the twenties at an antique store. Yeah, I could save the 10 bucks, but it's kind of fun to have that thing laying around and just look at it now and then and think, yeah, that's kind of cool. So after uh, the no driving gloves, gloves, financial advice podcast, we've just given you. We're, we're trying to branch out here. Derek's right, and it's what you know. It's something that, you know, like I just said, if financial advice, don't take this. You know, any of the accountants and that out there that listen to us are pulling their hair out, going, "You, you guys, shut up!" And we will here in a few minutes, I promise. But why are we saving the money other than to take care of us in our retirement? Take care of your four hundred one ks or whatever your retirement plans are and don't borrow against them to get your toy cars. Don't borrow against your house to get your toy cars. I believe a lot of the run up of cars in the, you know, the muscle cars in 04 through 08, I call them home equity cars and things like that as you, you know, you borrow against your house cuz it appreciated and you saw where it got us or it got a lot of people. A lot of people save money to go on vacations. A lot of people save money so they can have the big screen TV or a lot of people save up so they can have the best podcasting equipment, say. We choose, again, it's talking about our hobbies. We choose to have cars. That's what we have fun with. I would rather go out six Friday nights on a cool evening and, you know, say back when I had my Porsche with the top down, cruising, and do that for, you know, three hours on six nights and have 18 hours of fun doing that per year, as opposed to taking a week off and going to the beach. That's my idea of fun. So instead of saving up to go to the beach, I saved up and bought a Porsche. And after a year, like most of my cars, I got rid of it and still some days kick myself for doing that. I'm going to kind of be quiet before we give you any more poor financial advice. Enjoy your car hobby. Don't feel guilty about it. As long as people are fed, you're not going broke, you've budgeted properly, and I gotta emphasize that enough. There's been many times that I have not done that, and it's come back to bite me through it all, but it's created some lean times, and it's definitely created some arguments and fights and some stress. So if you just do it responsibly, you can have fun, enjoy the little toys, and be sure to take those little $20 breaks. And for those of you that are 8, 12, 14 years old out there, instead of buying necessarily a game card for your latest video game, maybe buy, you know, instead of spending 20 bucks on that, go ahead and buy a $10 card and two Hot Wheels and a hot dog. In, in the long run, you'll still go back and 
look at those Hot Wheels as I do with my collection of 500 Hot Wheels. If I didn't cut Derek off early, I'm going to end this podcast and uh, talk to everybody next week. And uh, don't forget with that hot dog you kids are eating, eat your vegetables, okay? Vegetables are what my hot dog eats. See you next week. (laughs) Talk to you later. Bye.